You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. All right, well, good evening. If you have your Bibles, take those and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 in the Word of God this evening. I am excited to have the opportunity to speak once again. Uh, you are always such a blessing, such an encouragement. Uh, I'm so glad that Victory Baptist Church is a praying church. Amen. And uh, we understand that nothing can be done in our own strength. Uh, nothing can be accomplished in our own power. Uh, if there's ever a time, if there's ever a place that we need God, it's today. And it's right now. And I uh, thank you for praying for me as I've been preparing and uh, praying and seeking God's face for the message this evening. And I certainly am excited for it. Excited for the Christmas season. Uh, it's an exciting time of the year. Uh, one thing I've learned about Victory Baptist Church is, boy, y'all know how to eat around here. And uh, it has been a blessing. That's not everywhere, I've learned. And uh, not just eat, but y'all eat good food, too. And uh, that's even more of a blessing. Uh, Christmas season, it's an exciting time. Uh, many of you are uh, just now finishing your Christmas shopping. And if you're like me, you're just now starting your Christmas shopping. And uh, it comes up so quickly. It's like you see the advertisements, right? The Black Friday sales. Uh, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Uh, here's the sale here. Uh, if you're on TV sometimes, you see all these advertisements. And they're, they're always trying to get your attention for the best product since sliced bread. You know what I'm talking about? They're always trying to catch your attention. Uh, this evening, as we look into the Word of God, uh, this is a truth that I'm praying, quite frankly, will catch our attention like nothing else. It's a truth that God wants us to see, that God wants us to realize. It's a truth that the, the Word of God in Matthew chapter 1, we've read this verse several times, different Sundays, uh, this word, behold. Behold, in other words, uh, take notice. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with, with us. Uh, look here, don't miss this. Uh, pay attention. It's something significant. Uh, it's like watching a sunrise or sunset. That only lasts for a few moments each day. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, unless you're sleeping in, then you do want to miss it. Uh, maybe it's like this. Uh, you have a student or you have a, a, a grandson or a granddaughter or a son or a daughter, and they're playing sports. And, and every parent here understands this. Uh, when they're not out on the court, uh, it's all good, right? You're sitting there, and you're maybe looking through Facebook occasionally, maybe replying to a few text messages. But you better believe as soon as your son or daughter takes that court, as soon as they take that field, what's happening? Your eyes are out there. And your eyes just aren't on the field. Your eyes are on them. You don't want to miss a thing. As we look throughout God's word, this is something that we don't want to miss, that the writer of scripture says, behold, behold, don't miss it. Here it is. A virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And here's the truth, that God would be with us. Zechariah uses that same language. You maybe know this verse. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation. Behold, don't miss it. The king is coming. But you understand this evening that this is not just any type of king, is it? This is the king of glory. This is the king almighty. Oh, you see, Earthly kings come, and you remember in the book of 1 Samuel when uh, the children of Israel desired a king for themselves. They were done with the judges. They said, we want to be like all the other nations. We want to have a king for ourselves." And God said, well, if that's what you want, here's what you're going to get to get. Uh, you're going to get a king that's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your crops. He's going to take from you. He's going to take from you so he can be high and you can be low. 
He's going to take from you so he can be lifted up. You're going to serve him. He's not going to serve you. But you understand as we look into this wonderful truth in the word of God this evening that our king is not like that king. Our king is one that was although he was high, he came low. Uh, He didn't come to take from us, but he came to give to us. Our king is a great king. Our king is a mighty king. All we could spend all night talking about our king Jesus this evening. But for a few moments, we're going to look at the humility of Jesus Christ. That although he was high, he became low to relate to us, to give to us what we needed most. And the text of scripture begins here in Philippians chapter 2. Notice the Bible says in verse number 3, Let nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then read this verse out loud with me, if you will. Uh, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. What was the mind of Christ? What was the heart of Christ? The heart and the mind of Christ is the perfect example of humility. It was the perfect example of what it means to be humble. Oh, you want to see pride? We don't have to look too far. But you want to see the best picture of humility possible? Oh, just look to Jesus. You want to see the standard of humility? Don't look to anybody else but the Lord Jesus Christ. For he alone exemplified it perfectly as the Lord of glory. This evening as we look into the text of scripture, we are going to see how Jesus showed himself humbly, but then how we also can show ourselves humble in the same way. Would you agree as believers, would you agree this evening that it's not our goal to be the same person we were before we trusted Christ? It's not, no. Oh, but our goal is day by day, moment by moment, to be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as we see the likeness of his humility, my prayer is that the beauty of who he is, the beholding of who he is, would show its way forth in our everyday life, in our everyday interactions, in our church. Question to consider this evening, uh, what is humility. Where does it start? What's humility? The first instance of the word humility in the word of God is found in the book of Exodus, actually. Pharaoh has kept the people of God from going and from going to the promised land. And Moses has come, you know the story time and time again. And what happens? Plague one comes, plague two comes, plague three comes, plague four comes, right? And Pharaoh still will not let God's people go. And then God says to this, uh, plague number seven to Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 10, verse number three, how long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve thee. The first mention of humility in the word of God, what's that teach us? Humility is a proper acknowledgement and understanding of who is God. He's God and we're not. Before someone could ever understand humility, they must first understand that they're not God, that God is above them, God is higher, God is greater, and we are so far below this God. Pharaoh missed it, didn't he? God had to humble him. Oh, that we wouldn't miss it this evening. Uh, Humility begins with a proper understanding of acknowledgement. Here it is. It's a submission. Get that word, submission to the one who is Lord. Humility and submission go hand in hand together. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the perfect example of humility, number one, if you're taking notes this evening, Jesus Christ, the perfect example of humility in his submission. 
What did Jesus submit himself to? He submitted himself to the will of the Father. What's the Bible say? The Bible says that God is not what? Not willing that any should perish. Oh, can I tell you, every person that drives by this church, every person that you see on the news, every person that you walk by throughout the day, uh, it's not God's will that any of them would go to hell. It's God's will that every single one of them would find a place in heaven. And the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, humbled himself. In other words, he came to do the mission and the purpose of the Father. Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse number 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. What is humility? It's submission to the will of the Father. You know where humility begins with us? It begins with submitting to our God. Amen. We're not God, and he is. Submitting in everything. Uh, you understand, uh, before a person can get saved, uh, they must be humble before God. They must submit to God. Uh, before somebody can ever uh, enter into glory, can ever be truly born again, they must understand that there's a God and they're not God and there's a king and we're not king and there's a savior and we need that savior desperately. And by the way, we'll either uh, humble ourselves now or we'll be humbled there. Uh, we'll either bow now or we'll, we'll bow there. The Bible says in the book of Philippians uh, chapter two, just a few verses down, uh, that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the only Lord. All Muslims don't get it. Hindus don't get it. Secular society doesn't get it. Our politicians don't get it. Uh, the world mocks at it. But dear friend, you better believe as sure as we're standing and sure as we're sitting here tonight that there's going to come a day that every person will say, you're God and I'm not. You're Lord and I'm not. And they will be humbled. Humble yourself now or be humbled later. But then you understand not only for salvation but also for the Christian life, we must live humbly. Daily submitting ourselves to God, daily submitting ourselves not only to God, but submitting ourselves to the will of God. Now, truthfully, do we always like what God's will brings into our path? We don't. Oftentimes, it's something we wouldn't choose for ourselves. Oftentimes, it's circumstances that we would never pick out. Oftentimes, it's a path that God leads us on, that God may take us down. The path of surrender to his will is not always the easy path. Uh, Jesus said, deny thyself, take up thy cross, and follow me. There's nothing easy about that. But if we're to walk in humility, we must be individuals that are submitted to the Father's will. And as Job said, we ought to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. I may not like what God's put me through. I may not like where the will of God is taking me. But oh, there's a God that I can trust. And I can acknowledge his lordship in my life. So we understand this evening, first off, ground level. Humility is a proper submission to the one that is God. But then beyond there, a biblical perspective of humility. It's an understanding of who God is, but an understanding of who we are. Here it is. It's making our life all about God and others. That's our definition. Making our life all about God and others. Before we can practice humility before other people, you understand we must first practice humility before our God. But when we are humble before our God, then we will have the heart and the mind of Christ. Here it is. What's the heart and mind of Christ? He came for us alone. Emmanuel, God with us. Was it for his own benefit he came? No. Was it for his own reward that he came? No. But oh, it was for us. 
that he may love us, that he may know us, that he may provide a way, a path forward for us. Here it is. Humility is making ourselves all about other people. Okay, look in your text, in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2, it should be there. The Bible says what? The Bible says, let nothing be done through what? Strife or vain glory. Stop making it about yourself. Life's not about you. Life's not about me. Stop doing what you're doing uh, to, to get ahead of somebody else. Stop doing what you're doing uh, to receive glory, empty glory for yourself. But notice this. Uh, here's the contrast. But in lowliness of what? Of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Uh, who's the most important person in the room? It's everybody else except me. That's the idea of humility. Uh, who's the most important person in your family? It's everybody except you. What's the idea? Esteem others better than ourselves. You've heard it put this way. Uh, humility is not thinking less, thinking, of your, thinking less of yourself. Excuse me. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but humility is thinking of yourself less, right? Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. It's letting uh, others take the priority in your life, in your mind. Uh, did Jesus make us his priority? He did. Did Jesus make others his priority? He did. How are we to have humility? Oh, we got to get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on others. We have to get our eyes off ourselves and onto our God and other people, making it all about others. What's the flip side to humility? It is pride, right? It's pride. And it's something that we struggle with from the time we're born to the time we die. We feel entitled to stuff. We feel that we have to be somebody. We have to feel that we're something. We have to fight it every single day. What is pride? It's not a focus on others, it's a focus on who? On ourselves. Pride walks into the room and is not concerned with the other needs of people, but pride is consumed. How does he view me? How does she view me? Uh, I need a compliment. I wonder, uh, oftentimes individuals' pride, we we become so consumed with ourself in relation to others that we're not loving, we're not serving other people. Humility is a focus, I mean, pride is a focus on self. I know some of you have dogs in here, and uh, I've, I've seen pictures of your dogs. Uh, some of your dogs are really cute, and some of them are not so cute. But, uh, but, uh, but uh, my aunt has a dog, and uh, this dog that she has, it's so funny. Uh, it's not funny. It's kind of annoying, honestly. But uh, everywhere you are, right, everywhere you are around that house, whenever I go, that dog has a real personality about it. It's like you can read its mind. You know what I'm talking about? It comes up to you, and it, and it, and it wants food. If you, if you have a pretzel in your pocket, it'll take the pretzel from your pocket. I don't have pretzel in my pocket often, but if you do have a pretzel in your pocket, right? If, if, you, if you have anything in your hand related to food, if there's food on the table, if there's food anywhere, that dog will come up, and I'm not going to try to make the dog face, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? It'll beg, right? Feed me, feed me, feed me, right? I want it. Feed me, right? I want that food. Feed me, right? You're trying to sit down. You're trying to have a dinner. And, and the dog has, is not bashful at all. I mean, it'll put itself on your legs. Try to get to the table. I mean, it'll get the food off the table if you let it, right? Right? Feed me, feed me, feed me, right? Feed me, feed me. And, and truthfully, truthfully, uh, this can be the heart of a proud individual so often. This can be our heart so often. We go through life, our ego, feed me, feed me, feed me. Give me a compliment here. Give me a compliment there. Tell me how good I'm doing. Oh, am I doing okay? Oh, feed me, feed me, feed me. Oh, how does she think of me? Oh, how does, how does he think of me? Feed me, feed me, feed me. We go day by day, and our, our ego has to be fed. Why? Because we're so focused on ourselves. That's pride. That's not humility. And we all have to face it. And how can we face it? Oh, it's by taking home this example of Jesus Christ, the Lord of humility, who, who quite frankly, lives with inside of us. 
and desires that his life will be lived through us. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Many years ago, such an intelligent man. Uh, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is a nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed cheerful, an intelligent individual who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you you dislike him, it will be because when you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily, he would not be thinking about humility, he would not be thinking about himself at all. Many years ago, but it rings so true today, it's thinking of ourself less, living our life for others. What's humility? Making it all about God and all about others. It's not about us. And so how does Jesus show us humility? Number two this evening, Jesus shows us humility in his suffering. Emmanuel, God with us. The glory of Christmas is that God would come and be man. That he would take upon himself the form of an individual, a human flesh, that the God of glory would be born, you understand this, in a cradle, right? In a stable, all not the most glorious circumstances, but not only that, that he make himself subject, that that word sound familiar? Uh, That he would submit himself to the humanity. That he would uh, be held in a mother's arm and he would depend on another human being for his food to be changed. Uh, Everything that a baby faces now, Jesus Christ faced so that he could relate to us. But beyond that, in his suffering. Uh, Do you ever feel tired? Some of you are tired right now, right? Do you ever feel tired? Jesus knows what it means to feel tired. You ever been heartbroken? You ever wait late at night and, and you don't understand why things happened the way they did? And you think, God, why? God, why? I just don't understand it. Jesus understood it well on the cross when he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You ever been sick? I felt the infirmity of a flesh that is weak by the fall. Oh, you better believe that Jesus also experienced that same sickness and that same pain and that same frailty that being a human provides. Why did he do that? For us. Because it was all about God and all about us. Jesus relates to us in his humanity. They should call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Not only did he make himself relatable to us as individuals, but here is the the climax of this chapter. Notice what the Bible says in verse number six, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, here it is, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made in likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, everything I just said, here's what he did. He humbled himself even more and and became obedient unto death. Get this. What's that word there? What's that next word? Unto death and then even. And in the original language there, it's this, this strong uh, word. Uh, can you believe it? I can't believe it. This is crazy. He made himself confirmable to death. Not even that. The death of the cross. A death of humility. A death of shame. A death that nobody deserved except the worst criminals of the day. But the darling Lamb of God made himself subject to that punishment. Oh, that's the Lord of glory, but oh, that's humility. 
And so he came so he could relate to us, not only in our suffering, but also in our saving. For he took the cross that we deserved. For he took the burden that we deserved. For he took the pain that we deserved. For he took it all. Why? Because his life was all about God and his life was all about us. What a savior. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus, a man of sacrifice. You want the life of Christ to shine through you? In the midst of suffering, be a person of sacrifice. Paul, give to others. Life will bring us to places of suffering. Being a Christian nowadays doesn't cost us near as much as it did 2,000 years ago. But if it ever did again, you know what humility says? My life's all about you, God. My life's all about others. And I'll suffer for that sake. That's humility. Thirdly, here we see that Jesus shows us humility. What was first? First, Jesus showed us humility in his submission. Uh, secondly, Jesus showed us humility in his suffering. Paul, he relates to us so well. Then thirdly, Jesus shows us humility in his serving. How did Jesus live life? Not as one to give me, give me, give me, but what was he doing? He was giving. He was giving to others. Notice this word. Uh, notice the text, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but what? To minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus' focus was not himself, but Jesus' focus was others. What did he do? Uh, he could have used his life in any way, right? Uh, he could experience the joys uh, of traveling the world, right? He could experience the riches of the world. He could experience anything he wanted to experience. What did he do? He came humbly, born in a lowly family. Refugees, born to refugees. And then not only that, uh, he, he spent his whole life uh, healing the sick, feeding the poor, helping the downtrodden. Yes. What was he doing? He was serving, serving, serving. And nothing else shows the heart of God more than when we serve. Serve, serve. Nothing else shows the heart of Christ more than we serve as he does. Questions asked in our day to day. Who's great? If you ask your typical teenager that, they'll, they'll have conversations about the greatest basketball player, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. If you ask who the greatest leader, politician was, there'll be a lot of different, uh, probably controversial answers. If you ask who the, the greatest uh, technological inventor was, you'll have a lot of different answers. But if you want to see who the greatest was, the greatest of all time, you must not know further than Jesus Christ. Why? Because here's the definition of greatness. He that makes himself low and he that gives of himself. Remember the story? The disciples sitting at a table. Not too long before Jesus is going to go to the cross and as they sit there, as they talk, they're arguing amongst each other. Some of you have kids that do the same thing. It may have not been this level. Here they were. They were arguing, uh, who, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom, right? Who, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus says what? The greatest one will be the servant of all. Amen. For the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Oh, what is humility? Walking in a room, everybody else is more important than me. Oh, how's everybody else doing? Not how I'm doing. How can I serve others? Not how can they serve me? How can I love others? Not how can they love me? Prior to the crucifixion, Good Friday, Jesus has a meal once again 
They knew how to eat too back then. Jesus has this meal, and as he's at this meal, uh, he's sitting around with his disciples, and he begins to do something in the eyes of the disciples that takes them by the surprise. The, at first, they, they, the thought runs through, there's no way he's doing what I'm seeing him do. He, they're, they're sitting there, and, and they're around the table, and uh, they're around the house, and, and, as, and they see Jesus get up, and they think, I wonder where he's going. And then you see he come back with a, with a basin of water and, and, and a towel, and then all of a sudden, he goes uh, to each individual disciple, one after another, after another, after another. And he's not asking anything from them, but what's he doing? He's showing a great act of service. He's washing their dirty feet. And what was he doing? He was giving an example. As I've done for you, all you have also to do for others. I love how Jesus went around and he washed the feet of each person that was there. He, he washed the feet of even Judas, who in just a few hours was going to betray him. True humility is serving those who hurt you most. True humility is truly praying for those who've hurt you the most. Amen. True humility is loving those who love you the least. And oh, Jesus did it. And then in a few hours, as he was about to be taken by the Roman soldiers, one of the disciples slices off the ear of one of the soldiers. And even in an act of service when he's being taken, what does Jesus do? Takes up the ear. What a servant. He puts it back. He takes time for the individual because his life was all about God and us. Amen. It was all about God and others. Humility, the heart of Christ. Service, the definition of humility. The first and second century Christians were able to see Christianity go forward with such progress. It was able to spread so quickly, not only because of their testimony, willingness to suffer for Christ, but also because of their service for others. There was a great plague that took place in Rome. This plague uh, caused 50% of the people to die. 5,000 people were dying every single day. We've seen COVID, right? And we're talking maybe 1% to 2%, you know, if that. The people that got it died. 50%. Over 5,000 people were dying every day in Rome. The Archbishop uh, Dionysus, uh, here's what he said about Christians. He says, Christians showed unbounding love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick. They knew they could be infected. They knew the risk, but they said, I got to love and serve others. Christians did this. They took charge of the sick, attending to their every need, ministering to them in Christ, and with them departing this life. Serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pain. They died with joy serving others. Why? Because they knew the heart of Christ and were dedicated to allowing the world to see the heart of Christ. If Jesus were in Runner Rapids this week, how would he spend his time? If Jesus Christ spent, Rapids, spent his week in Roanoke Rapids, how would he spend his time? I'm just convinced that he would go to the poorest houses. I'm just convinced that he'd go to the most broken homes. I'm just convinced that he'd go to the people 
that, that smell the worst, that look the worst, that act the worst. I'm convinced that he'd go to the people who seemed to be worst off. And you know what he would do? He would go to them and he would serve them. If Jesus were on earth today, you know what I believe he would do? I believe he would leave the luxuries of America and he would go to a third world country that knows not God. He would go to a place where children are dying every day of hunger. He would go to a place where they, they've never heard the name of Jesus and, and they are uh, swamped in sin and shame. And, and he would say, I love you. Let me serve you. Let me serve you. Let me serve you. Oh, the heart of Christ is one of service. And oh, it can be our heart tonight. And you may not go this week and you may not go to, to a foreign world, to a, to a third world country and serve others. But oh, can I encourage you? as I've been challenged this week. Let it start in my life with my family. Serving, serving. Let it start with my friends. How can I serve others? Let it start with those in my household. Uh, not what can others give me, not what can I get, but oh, what can I give to others? Humility, the heart of Christ, a heart of service. Lastly here, my last thought is one that God has used to shake and stir me in so many ways and one that I hope that you'll, you'll take and hold on with your heart as well. Jesus Christ stands with us, excuse me, Jesus Christ shows us humility. We've seen in his submission, right, submission. Number two, we, we saw in his suffering. Number three, we've seen in his suffering, I mean, in serving, in his serving. But then number four, Jesus Christ shows his humility, oh, so greatly, so beautiful, in his solidarity with us. Jesus Christ is one that stands with us. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, come unto me all ye that labor and are what? And are heavy laden. What's that mean? Downtrodden. The worst of the worst. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And get this. Notice the heart of Christ right here. I am meek and lowly in, what is it? Heart. Yes. I, I am meek and lowly in heart. I am meek and lowly. I am, I, what's he saying? I brought myself low. Emmanuel, God with us. I brought myself all the way down to you. You know why? So you could come unto me with ease. When the prodigal son was coming back home, did the father turn him away? No. You see, the most, the most, the most natural posture of the Savior is not a stiff arm, but it's welcome hands. The most natural posture of the Savior is not a pointed finger, but it's open arms. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he's able to offer that in a way that no other can. You know why? Because he came to be with us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. This is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't stand here and he doesn't say, I can't believe you messed up again. I can't believe you felt again. I can't believe you said that again. I can't believe you did that again. I can't believe you've fallen that far. Oh, you've had time and time again and chance and chance again. Oh, you've come so low. You had so much. Uh, he doesn't stand there and do that to us. But oh, this is what Jesus does. He comes next to us and he says, I love you. It's going to be okay. I'm going to help you through this. Oh, I'm here for you. I'm the Savior. I saved you from your sin there, and I can save you from your present circumstances now. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. He relates to us as no other can. Oh, what a glorious Savior. What a glorious Father. What a humble God who made his life all about us. The beauty of humility. He can no more cast off poor sinners for their ignorance and wanderings than a nursing father should cast away a sucking child for its crying. He is able with all meekness and gentleness, with patience and moderation, to bear with the infirmities, sins, and provocations of his people, even as a nursing father bears with the weakness of a poor infant.
Hebrews 5.2, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is also compassed with what? With infirmity. Jesus gets it. Oh, he gets it. Oh, don't run when you struggle with sin. Don't run away. Run into his arms. Why? God with us. He gets us. And then one more thought, 30 seconds. He not only gets us in our sin, but he also gets us in our suffering. I mentioned earlier that he relates to us, but please don't miss this. Because of his humility, he goes with us through it. He walks with us in our suffering. The fourth man in the fire in the book of Daniel, but oh, he's the fourth man in our circumstances today. He's made himself relatable to us in his humility. Whatever you're facing, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's with you. He's going with you. God with us. Only humility could bring that to pass. The story is told of a Persian king who reigned in opulence and splendor. Living amid the wealth and comfort of the royal palace, yet his concern for the common people frequently drove him to dress as a poor man, leave the palace, and mingle with the lowliest of his subjects. One day he visited a fireman whose job was to heat the water in the bathhouse. Dressed in a tattered clothes, the king descended a long flight of steps down to the tiny cellar where the fireman sat on a pile of ashes, tending the fire. The ruler sat beside him, and the two men began to talk. At lunchtime, the fireman shared his humble meal of coarse bread and water with his guest. Eventually, the king left, but he returned again and again. His heart filled with sympathy for the lonely man. The fireman opened his heart to his kind, compassionate friend who gave him wise counsel. Finally, the king could not bear to keep up the pretense any longer and decided to reveal his true identity to his friend. He then asked the poor fireman to name a gift he could give him. To his surprise, the man said nothing, but merely sat looking at him with love and wonder. Thinking he had not understood him, the king offered to make the fireman rich, elevate him to nobility, or make him ruler over a city. But he replied, Yes, my lord, I understand you. But leaving your palace to sit here with me, partake of my humble food, and listen to the troubles of my heart, even you could give me no more precious gift than that. You may have given rich gifts to others, but to me, you gave yourself. I only ask that you never withdraw your friendship from me. Yet for your sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What a savior. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.